Well, good morning, everyone. What glorious weather we've had this week, haven't we? It's been really nice. I'm hoping that this rain will just pass through and we'll soon get the sunshine back again, but we'll see. Just a quick reminder that the services are available afterwards. Well, even just now, it's on on YouTube and also on the phone line later. So um, the phone line's a wee bit later because we're taking the live feed from the morning service rather than getting people to send recordings in in advance. So thanks to Stuart for sorting all that out for us all. And we're still having the informal Zoom chats on a Tuesday between half past 10 and half past 11. If you don't have internet access, you can also dial in to the chat session. Do you know, one of the really nice things about being at the front door is that you hear people's comments as they come in. And you're, in a sense, well, you are the first point of contact from the church with the people coming in. And what's been really nice recently, it's been said several times, are lovely comments about the gardens. The roses are looking lovely. And also all the rebedding plants that people have planted and the weeding that's been done and everything else. So I'd just like you to have a wee round of applause for all those that help in any way to keep our gardens looking so nice. And they do it unseen and unasked. It's really great. So a wee round of applause for them. And that's all the intimations. Good morning. Uh, a lovely morning and just a wee quick reminder for those who are at home uh, we do have a technical problem uh, and we are working on it hoping and trusting that you know you will be able to to hear us and to see what's going on here without many challenges but we are so delighted to have you and for all of us who are here the Lord be with you uh, D over to you. Good morning everyone. Morning. Today I'm going to be doing a memory verse of just verse 9. Let's get started. He stops wars all over the world. He breaks bows, bows destroys spears and sets shields on fire. Thank you, Dee. Indeed, he is a powerful God. He does all those things. He is here, and he is right there with you for those who are at home. And I want to encourage you, praise him. The Lord is here, he is there. We will worship him. The Lord is here, we will trust him. The Lord is here, we will honor him. The Lord is here. And he has called us to give him thanks and to give him glory and honor. We join our hearts for those who are at home. Please sing as loud as you can. For those who are here, we listen to Just As I Am 553.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you again saying how good it is to come to you in prayer. Father, you see each of us individually. You see our faults and our mistakes. You see us sometimes lost and afraid. You also see us happy, and sometimes we forget that you are there in the times of good and of bad. Father, forgive us, as we often do not come to you. We do not reach out for the comfort you so freely give to each of us when we do not ask. You are there for us, and we thank you for this. Father, we pray this morning for all of us here and those at home listening, for those who would want to be with us but cannot for various reasons. So we pray for them and ask you to look over them as we just say again, thank you for this. Thank you, Lord, for another week, for the sunshine now cheering us up and helping us to get out and about. Thank you, Lord, for the food we have eaten and we pray for those who hunger in our world. Thank you for our homes and our families, as we again pray for those who have had to flee their homes and often their countries because of fear and desperation. Be with them, Father. Guide, support and protect them. Father, we pray for time. Time this week when we can come to you in thought and in prayer. Time when we can just sit and say, thank you, Lord, for the many blessings you have given us every day. Here, these are our prayers this morning as we say them through in and through our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us when to pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Today is, is Father's Day, is it? I want to wish all fathers who are here and at home happy Father's Day. And for all the mothers who take on the roles of fathers, happy Father's Day to you as well. The Lord continue to bless you. Uh, we've been busy now with Second Corinthians, and today we're coming to Second Corinthians, and we are going to be reading uh, from Second Corinthians chapter six, uh, from verse one through to thirteen. And again, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and this time he is more or less saying, "Guys, bear with me, I." I'm not the enemy here. And I think it's quite of interest to see that Paul is addressing the church, not the world this time. He's addressing the church and saying to the church, part of the problems I have is because of you, the church. And I think that's quite hard to receive, but we will turn to God just now and hear what God is saying through the mouth of Paul. Let us draw near to God in prayer. Shall we pray together? God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. 
then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Reading, as Nigel said, from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 1. In our work together with God, then, we beg you who have received God's grace not to let it be wasted. Hear what God says. When the time came for me to show you favour, I heard you. When the day arrived for me to save you, I helped you. Listen, this is the hour to receive God's favour. Today is the day to be saved. We do not want anyone to find fault with our work. So we try not to put obstacles in anyone's way. Instead, in everything we do, we show that we are God's servants by patiently enduring troubles, hardships and difficulties. We have been beaten, imprisoned and mobbed. We have been overworked and have gone without sleep or food. By our purity, knowledge, patience and kindness, we have shown ourselves to be God's servants by the Holy Spirit, by our true love, by our message of truth and by the power of God. We have righteousness as our weapon, both to attack and to defend ourselves. We are honoured and disgraced. We are insulted and praised. We are treated as liars, yet we speak the truth. As unknown, yet we are known by all. As though we were dead, but as you see, we live on. Although punished, we are not killed. Although saddened, we are always glad. We seem poor, but we make many people rich. We seem to have nothing, yet we really possess everything. Dear friends in Corinth, we have spoken frankly to you. We have opened our hearts wide. It is not we who have closed our hearts to you. It is you who have closed your hearts to us. I speak now as though you were my children. Show us the same feelings that we have for you. Open your hearts wide. This is God's word for God's people. Amen. I hope and trust that as a, as a pastor, I would never get to a point where I have to write you letters like this. <laughs> uh, we continue to worship God as we tend. And I am so privileged to you know, say this is a lovely hymn written by our own. And it's, it's, it's like a prayer. I don't know how to describe it, but enjoy it. We share our hearts before you, Father.
I can only say thank you, Stuart, for writing such a beautiful, uh, it, it sounds like a, a, a psalm to me. And I think it does penetrate right into your heart, especially in this time when we, we've got so many things to think about and so many things to see and to see how God is working, even in the midst of such experiences. God is faithful. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasant before you, God Almighty. Amen. Friends, few things are worth remembering about this passage we read. The church at Corinth was weak. This is because it was surrounded by idolatry and a lot of immorality. So to some extent, the people in Corinth were tempted in one way or another to admire or to want to be like other people. They struggled with their Christian faith and lifestyle. And through personal visits and letters, Paul tried to instruct them in the faith. Paul was like a, a father to this church. Remembering what I said last week, he planted this church. So in so many ways, he felt like I am your dad and you are my children. And listen to me as we hear from God. He would constantly say, this is what God has imparted in my life. And I want to impart it unto you. And to think of Paul writing 2 Corinthians to defend his position and to denounce those who are twisting the truth before him and before the church is quite shocking for me. And I, I, I throughout, you know, reading this passage, there's quite a lot I could have been talking about. And maybe at some point we'll come back to this passage to look, look at other things that Paul is saying. But I'm going to concentrate on three things. And the three things relate to some of the proclamations or the phrases that Paul uses, beginning with the first one in which he says, in our work together with God, then we beg you who have received God's grace not to be, not to let it be wasted. And I think this is bold, and, and this is bold of Paul, isn't it? Paul claims to be working right alongside the God of the universe. Have you ever thought about it? How so often, like we heard about those people who are doing flowers in the garden secretly and not wanting to be seen, and they're doing it for God. Now Paul then says, in our work together with God. In other words, if there's one thing that I want is to work alongside God. Now remember at the end of chapter 5, Paul had claimed to be an ambassador of Christ. In other words, he was willing to be a channel of God's power. And now together with others, take note of the language. He didn't say, I work together with God. He said, in our work together as God, with God, sorry. If this is true, then you and I listen to Paul and listen carefully to what he has to say. If his appeal is God's appeal to us, 
then we should pay careful attention to these words that is going to be unfolding throughout the letter. Again and again, he reaffirms his words. In chapter 5, you may remember that he said, I am, or we are, Christ's ambassadors appealing to the Corinthians to say to the Corinthians and to all of us today, we ought to be reconciled to God because Paul and others are ambassadors of Christ. Now, towards the end of verse 1, he says something that got me thinking. And he said, we beg you who have received God's grace not to let it be worsted. Or in other versions, it says, receiving God's grace in vain. And the question is, what would it mean for the Corinthians to accept God's grace in vain? In Paul's reasoning, the Corinthians are not demonstrating the power of God's transforming grace. In other words, yes, they have received the grace of God, but they continue to lead lives that are contrary to what they proclaim about Jesus. You see, it is quite possible to go to church or to come to church regularly and yet even then lead a life that does not show that we have received the grace of God. It is possible for us to lead lives that almost show that we have received the grace of God in vain. And how does this show? It shows by our empty lives. Our lives don't carry water. They don't carry anything of God. Because it is quite possible to receive communion and yet you don't love other people. And yet we say we are communion with God. It is quite possible to believe that God made Jesus to be seen like what we saw in chapter 5 for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And yet we could be living lives that don't show that. So that is why Paul urges the Corinthians not to receive God's grace in vain, because it is possible. And sometimes in your own thinking, in your own reflection, when you look around, you can look to yourself and say, well, this is not of God. The second encouragement that Paul brings is, is something amazing. And it's about timing. And he says something, and I, I can only record his words to reiterate this. Hear what God says. Paul says, when the time came for me to show you favor. This is like he's speaking about what God has done. I heard you. When, when the day arrived for me to save you, I helped you. Listen. This is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. Now is the time for the Corinthians to show by their actions that they have not accepted the grace of God in vain. As if to challenge us today to say, now is the time to proclaim, even in the midst of a possible third wave, we still confirm and confess to the world that God is powerful.
Now, Paul emphasizes that the day of salvation is now. To enforce this urgency, Paul employs a quote from Isaiah 49 that he interprets as finding fulfillment in the present time. Friends, today is the day for, for the Corinthians to demonstrate their faithfulness by opening their hearts to Paul and to one another. Now, this leads me then to my last point, and I'll spend some time from in, in verses 3 to 13. But I need to say this beforehand. One of the false cults or false religious beliefs that is gaining more and more new members today is the cult or the belief in easy life. Have you ever noticed that? You can see it in advertisements. You can see it in the demands of working, working class as people are saying we want shorter working hours. Why? Because we want more gaming and more fun. People are constantly seeking comfort. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong in seeking comfort. But when, it, when comfort becomes the most important thing, to a point that people will forget everything else, they will throw away everything else for entertainment or for fun, then there's a problem. Now, if you are fond of the easy life, I therefore beg you to stop following Christ. Maybe you didn't get that. Let me say it again. If you are fond of an easy life, I beg you to stop following Christ because Jesus has nothing to do with the cult of easy life. It's, it's not easy life all the way. <laughs> if you look back to the life of Jesus Christ, he did not live an easy life. He did not live in a comfortable life. Secondly, he never promised anyone or any of his disciples an easy life, a smooth life, a comfortable life, a safe life. In fact, he promised the opposite. I'm glad I, I gave you a, a, a disclaimer as we were reading the Bible to say, I hope I won't get to point you to some of these things, so bear with me. I'm sure given an opportunity, some of you listening to me today, you could easily say, well, I have fought a good fight. I have kept my faith, and now is the time to pass on Christianity to younger, younger folk who have got the energy and who can do more things. I've got bad news for you. There is no discharge in Christianity. You work and work and work and work until death. Do you get that? To some extent, I think the, the Presbyterian Church in general, even including the Church of Scotland, we have understood that a bit because for some of our elders, we say you are an elder for life. So you keep working and working and working. Until we are dead, we have to be faithful. Now, there's no doubt that Paul has been called by Christ. That you cannot hold out. But he has not been called to a picnic, but to a battle. And there are two areas of fights for Paul. The one is in the world. And the second one, which is a bit unfortunate, is within the church. 
and I think it is the one within the church, as you see his writing, that is a bit tough. I'm sure it comes as a surprise for some of us today, but the world is a difficult place for Christians. When I say the world, I mean the world without God. Any place without God or which does not acknowledge God as the Father and Creator is a tough place to be. Well, we still find some who are naive to think everyone is willing to love God. Then, well, that's not what I see. People in general are not basically good by nature. And, and, I, and personally, having been in Scotland now for over two years, I can confirm this. There are plenty of nice people in Scotland, lovely people. But you start to preach the gospel, you see how they are not so good. Because they begin to tell you and they begin to point you as an imposter or a hypocrite. You talk about how inclusive the power and the saving Jesus Christ is. They will say, no, it's not only Jesus who can save. And you are being exclusive. You're not including everyone. That's another glimpse of how it is like. And I'm sure it's understandable when you look at the world, a place where people believe that we can do without God. But when it comes to church, then there's a problem. And one of Paul's claims, which I cannot make, is this. He says, I'm in no way responsible for the troubles that I've suffered. I know for sure there are so many problems I've suffered because of my mouth, because of my mind and how I think. But for Paul to say this, well, that's, that's good for Paul. He says, I've never brought the challenges I'm facing upon myself. In fact, I have not put any obstacles in people's ways. I've put so many obstacles in people's ways. But Paul says, ah, he's, he has not done that. But he says, instead, in everything we do, and he's including him and other apostles and other disciples, instead in everything we do, we show that we are God's servants. And there is no fault in Paul's ministry which has led to the kind of troubles he was facing. And I, I don't know about you, in my ministry, I've learned, like Paul, to ask myself two questions. I've learned to ask myself the question, have I caused this? And secondly, is it because of the message that I'm facing this? And when you're operating in the world, this is what you constantly need to ask yourself. When you are fighting with your neighbor, when you're fighting with your friends, ask yourself, is it the message? Especially when you say, oh, we want, when your friends say, we want to exclude so-and-so, and you say, but he or she could do with our company. And when everyone turns against you, you can look at the message and say, is it the message or is it me? For Paul and his friends, they have been beaten, they have been jailed, they have been mobbed, they have been overworked, and they have gone without sleep or food. Oh, how many of us have gone without food for the sake of the gospel? Any, any hands up? 
that's something that we're not ready to do. Now look at this list. Jailed, mobbed, overworked, gone without sleep. You know, one, one of the things that terrifies me as a, as, a, as a pastor is sometimes to worry about church. But I worry about church to some degree and to some extent. But Paul spent sleepless nights for the sake of the church he has planted and God has planted through him. And I'm afraid my journey as a Christian is not as, as bad as it, it was for Paul and his other uh, apostles. When the challenges of ministry come from the church, it is the hardest thing to do. And this is what we see in Paul's letter. I don't know how you feel as I read through this and listen to this, what Paul says. We are honored and disgraced. We are insulted and praised. We are treated as liars, yet we speak the truth. As unknown, yet we are known by all. As though we are dead, but as you see, we are alive. Although punished, we are not killed. If Paul had retired early, I would have understood. If Paul had said, I've done, I've had enough, and I'm giving up, it would have made sense. If Paul had given up, it would have also been acceptable. But Paul didn't give up. He didn't retire early, neither, neither did Paul retaliate against fellow members of the church. In fact, he gave the opposite of what people gave him. Listen to this. Although certain, we are always glad. We seem poor, but we make many people rich. We seem to have nothing, yet we really possess everything. Verse 11, dear friends in Corinth, dear friends in Kegget, we have spoken frankly to you. We have opened our hearts wide. It is not we who have closed our hearts to you. It is you who have closed your hearts to us. What is Paul talking about here? He's talking about people who have got to a point of saying the gospel does not save us. We are better off with these cows and things that are surrounding us. And I'm sure it's the temptation for us today. When people talk about Christianity, sometimes we, we tend to be wanting to pull back and say, yes, it makes sense because we are not getting what we want. The question is, why, why does Paul write about all this? Why does he lay bare his heart this way? Why does he say, look into my heart, see how I feel? Why is he being so frank about the troubles he has been through? And here is the reason. Because his greatest burden was not the response of people of the world to him, but the response of the people in the church to him. Now, I want you to, to understand this. I, 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 I would really understand it when people in the world, maybe who are watching our YouTube channel, if they get to say, ah, the gospel is, ah, you know. But I would be worried if any one of you 
are not taking it seriously. And by saying so, I'm not trying to say, agree with me. I'm saying, let's go back in the world and bring people to Christ. Let's go back in the world and live as people who are called by God. And when that happens, it will stir up revival. And by the time this building is done, and we are saying one year back in our church, it will be full. Not because of our own power, but the power of Christ working through us to bring back people to God. Paul is saying, I want you as a church to open your hearts to my teachings and to the teachings of Christ. At least the one thing that I can do is to say open your hearts to God's teachings because I'm not sure yet of my own teachings. He is saying, even though I don't have many friends in the world, I want you, Corinthians, from church to be my friends. You see, Christians need affection and love in the world, and the world hates them, and they are irrelevant in the world. In the church, we find our love and our affection. And I want to make a, a plea to you. I want to plead with you. If there is anyone in this church who doesn't feel the love of God, let's reach out to them. In fact, how do you know? Because you need to reach out to each other, check on each other. If you don't have, if there's, you know, I, I think it can be understood for me. I'm still getting to know your names and stuff like that. And sometimes I call other people different names sometimes, uh, and you forgive me for that. But for all of us, if we could tend to each other and check on each other and check if other people are all right during this time. And that is what keeps us going. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying the grace of God is meant to liberate our feelings. It's meant to, to affect our affections and open our hearts to each other. And Paul concludes by saying this. And I want to say it as if I am poor to you. I speak now as though you were my children. Show us the same feelings that we have for you. Open your hearts wide to other people, to those very, very hard to deal with neighbors or young people that pass through your streets every day. If you can just show them a bit of love, Maybe, maybe they will say, I've met Jesus through you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty, loving God, in compassion you send your Son to shine his light into the darkness of our lives and of our world to guide us towards a new life and a new perspective. We pray for those with no image, no picture of life and no goal to which they direct their energies. For those who live empty, purposeless lives and for those who allow each day to drift by never thinking it, it could be their last chance or it could be the best chance they have. We pray for those who aimless, 
aimlessly live in this world as if there's nothing to be concerned about. We also pray for those who wasted opportunities and some who are getting to regret those opportunities they have wasted. For those who now look back to what might have been and whose if only color their lives with a sense of failure and despair. Lord, we pray that you go beyond the reach of humanity in encouraging them. May they find in Christ a picture of renewal and a, ho- and a new hope when their images of li- life have been broken. May you revitalize their strength and energies as they seek you more and more. Father, we pray for the sick. We pray for the brokenhearted. May you reach out to them. Lord, even those people, maybe who are listening, who have been hurt by fellow members or who have been hurt by a minister, that, Lord, they would find peace in you and see the reason for fellowship as something that is key and important. Lord, this day as we seek your light, we ask for your blessing on each of us gathered today. Even though some, for some we are separated in space, but united in worship of you. As we look for the wisdom and boldness to listen to you, And to your beloved son, we pray that your love will be known to each of us and all those we meet. Help us to find the glory in in our everyday lives and share it with the world. The world that is desperately in need of your love. We give you thanks, Lord, for these gifts of money. We pray that, Lord, you bless them for the extension of your kingdom. That, Lord, through our talents and our gifts we give to you, to church, to our communities. Lord, our communities will never be the same. We pray that, Lord, you never leave us nor forsake us. Make your face to shine upon each and every one of us. All these things we pray for and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is 622. We sing a love that sets all people free.
Please stand. The God who is almighty, the God of surprises, the God of the least likely, the last chances, and the underdogs bless you and challenge you. The blessing of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.